Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. They've got their spring LASIK sale going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. That's 801-253-3080 at uh, Davis Vision. We're going to talk to David Locke, we hope. Coming up here momentarily, we'll get Locke's thoughts on tonight's game against the Rockets and what else is going on in the NBA today. Yeah, Jake, I saw a, twi- a tweet on uh, on this subject that uh, Tim Lacombe liked. Maybe you saw it as well. Uh, I guess a fan tweeted out, uh, aren't the Jazz better off with the number two seed if the season ended today, but Suns were one and we were two? This would be our potential path, he writes. Dallas, L.A. Clippers, and Phoenix. He says if current standings hold, namely the Jazz, at the number one seed, they would play Memphis, Golden State, or San Antonio, and then the Lakers, and then Phoenix. Interesting, huh? Uh, This thing is is mobile. It's moving around, but uh, I still think there's an amount of pride to take in finishing first. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Uh, his weekly visit is brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group, who's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Our good friend David Locke. What's up, David? Not much. How's everybody doing? Good man. How about yourself? You get any spring skiing in, or are you uh, you uh, done? I went here? to I went to Alta for closing day number one um, on Sunday. It was fabulous. Great time. Good skiing. Good time. Had by all. Great. Good little party. Bands going. It's awesome. What what uh, resort was it that does the fog party? Is that still a thing? I don't know. What is that? Oh, I think that might have been a different resort. It's just uh, it's an acronym, but I, it has a curse word. Oh, in it. I know the fog. The fog is solitude. Yes, that's why I thought you might. I thought it was solitude. Might you uh, might know? Yeah, that's solitude is the fog. Okay, I know the last day up at all those resorts is usually a pretty ripping yeah, time. Closing day is always a great deal of fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jazz tonight against Houston, and David, this is a, a part in the schedule where the Jazz should be able to make a little hay with Donovan Mitchell or without it. I know this feels weird to ask, but is this actually a decent part of the year for Donovan to be missing some games, schedule ease, and just it's probably a good spot to get some rest? Well, I mean, if if Donovan, you know, really depends on if he comes back and, and how he comes back, right? Like, I mean, that's the issue. So before you can equate, should the Jazz – be able to have, you know, so the Jazz playing this sequence of games right now are playing, I was just on a call with, with Craig Ackerman and Matt Bullard from the Rockets, and, you know, my, my feeling is that, hey, the Jazz, here's the fortune part. They're playing the 30th-ranked defensive team in the league in Sacramento. They're playing two games against the 28th defensive-ranked team in the league, and they're playing a game against the 26th-ranked. So their next four games 
the defensive ranking of the teams they play are 26, 28, and 30. Mike Conley and Joe Ingles are good enough that that should that we should be okay, right? Like that should not be. We should be able to handle that with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, excuse me, with Mike Conley and Joe Ingles as our point guards. So that you know, if that's if that's what you're asking, then yes, I agree. We should be fine in that regard. David, have you been able to pick up uh, how badly the Jazz want to finish at number one as opposed to number two? Does it really matter to them a lot, or what do you? What's your feeling? So I have not gotten any comment in regards to that from the Jazz. Um, you know, access is not great, um, so I don't have that. I, I think it's you know I think they're not willing to fatigue themselves to a level so that they lose in the first round. Um, to go get it. But I think it's certainly important. Um, And it's important for a lot of reasons, one of which maybe most importantly is the fact that you, the team you're playing in the, in, in the first round will have already played. If you're the one seed, will have already played two games and in all likelihood is playing their third game in three cities by the time you start the series. And considering what a bloodbath this might be in the Western Conference. If you can get through the first series in five, um, then you, I, I think you end up, you know, you have a, a, a huge, huge advantage over the rest of the, right? So, like, what, number two, Phoenix opens up with Dallas? Like, how many games is that series going? Yeah, plenty probably. Right, six or seven, right? Don't you think? You'd think so. Mm-hmm. So, and then I, you know, actually, Portland is the team that seemingly, you know, but they've always, you know, Terry Stotts has always got their team ready, and he got Dame, and um, you know, they don't, they don't seem to be on their game right now, and the return of Nurkic hasn't helped them. They've suddenly lost seven of ten, and frankly, you know, for all we talk about Dallas, they've lost five of five, and or lost five of the last ten, so. If they're not careful, they're going to get caught by Golden State or Memphis in this whole play-in scenario. And then, obviously, Denver and L.A., the one that you really care about if you're the one seed, Denver and L.A., I think, is going to be quite a series. I mean, Denver's still good. They haven't lost since Murray got hurt. Um, and they, they uh, I've got some metrics that tell me they're going to be fine. I think it's a, they're a little overblown, but they actually tell me that they're going to be fine. So that's a big series. So I, I think just getting through a first-round series possibly – where you're playing a team that's not as maybe solid as some others, I think is, is a really important aspect of this because of the rest. The second thing is these teams are all pretty close and similar. So if they're close and similar, then having home court advantage is, is a bigger advantage maybe than ever before if everyone's uh, fairly closely knit. And I want that seventh game or you know at home, but really what I want the first two at home, that's what matters. And so when you look at, when you look at all that, I think the first seed's really important. You get an easier opponent. You, you, and then the last piece of the puzzle, maybe minor, is I think just the way the schedule's playing out, you're guaranteed to play the last game in the first round. So you get the most, while your opponent's playing two games, you get the most rest. Now, frankly, the other night we got a bunch of rest and looked like we were completely dead in the water. So maybe that's not the biggest advantage. 
So with that in mind, David, Gordon and I have been talking about this for the past couple of days. Uh, Phoenix has a really tough stretch on the Easter, uh, on an Eastern Conference road trip going on right now. They're at Philly tonight, Boston tomorrow. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal. The Jazz, uh, you know, have Houston and and uh, and Minnesota a couple of times and Sacramento in the same stretch. It, it, you know, it comes to mind that they could build a little bit of a, a lead in the Western Conference because I don't think Phoenix is going to win all those. So with that in mind, what is a comfortable lead in the West? Will, will lead by how many games with how many to go? Oh, I mean, I think that – so there's a few pieces here. One is if you believe, you know, all the prognostications, they have the Jazz winning by five games, four, four game, three or four games in in the projections. But – I think the Jazz better have that three or four game lead by the time they go to Phoenix. Um, is the way I look at it. I think five thirty eight has the Jazz at fifty four wins and the Suns at fifty, but the Suns don't have another loss on their schedule after they play us. Um, so the Jazz better, you know, and there's nothing really, frankly, that the Jazz do to control this. I think the Phoenix. Uh, I actually think, like you know, the whole silly, stupid phrase, "You control your own destiny." I actually think the Phoenix Suns control this as much as the Jazz do. In other words, if Phoenix comes out of this West East Coast road trip at four and one, having played the five best teams in the conference and maybe get some breaks like they did the other night where one, they got a mystery foul call and two, Giannis got a cramp and didn't play the overtime. And then they play LA, which they've already got a break because it's unlikely that Kawhi Leonard will play in that game against them. Well, now all of a sudden, if we, you know, they have the tiebreaker against us. So if we head down to Phoenix and it's, it's one or two games at that point. I look at the schedule and think Phoenix has the advantage. So this is a this is a massive, massively important week. Uh, and what's important is the Jazz have to hold serve, and then Phoenix has to to run into these teams. But they, you know, in this day, right now with everything going on, they got to run into them in full strength. I haven't looked to see whether Embiid and Simmons are going tonight or what the injury report is. Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Seth Curry were all listed as. On ESPN, day-to-day, ESPN somehow still hasn't, like, updated their um, injury list to actually be what the NBA injury list is. So I don't know what that means. Um, but all those guys were questionable con- players today, and so, you know, that's big. Let's see who, who they actually roll out here in about an hour. David, you have often pointed out the importance of Rudy Gobert, and, uh, I mean, he, he, the, the effect he has on games for the Jazz is just unbelievable and and donovan has had a terrific year and whatnot but i I was doing research for a column for the weekend and i saw these numbers and i wanted to run them by you okay and this is about a certain player on the jazz and his effective field goal percentage when he came to utah in 2014-15 that percentage was 51 percent the next year it was 56 the following year, it was 58. There's some change to this, but the next year, 60, then 56, then 57. This year, Joe Ingles' effective field goal percentage is 69.9. So it's essentially 70%. That is unbelievable, is it not? I mean, especially for a player who plays from distance the way he does. Well, the, the distance is what he's doing, so... Yeah. Um, what the league still is a may, maybe not may, maybe they are, but it feels to me as though the league is still a little late on understanding the impact 
of high volume, high percentage three point shooting. If you go back and look at the Atlanta Hawks, the year they won, and nobody was quite sure why, it was because Kyle Korver shot, you know, four over four threes a game and made 49%. He's the only other player in the history of the league to take over five threes a game and make over 49%. Joe Ingles is doing it right now. So when we talk about the, like what Joe is doing is in actually some metrics I have, the most offensively positive impact of any player on the roster is Joe Ingles right now in what he does with his possessions. Um, and it's not a lot of them. Um, but, and obviously, you know, you have to have some high usage players around him for him to be able to be successful. But, no, he is, he is remarkable. Um, he is having a historic shooting season, and it is a huge, huge reason why our record is what it is. And that only covers his shooting, not to mention the other contributions he makes. Well, his playmaking is terrific. You know, he and Rudy are one of the top ten pick-and-roll combinations in the NBA. Yeah. All right, David, I hate to uh, to put you in the middle of Gordon's and my squabbles, but, uh, Again? but I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I know. We you know, like, I think, like, the counselors get paid more than play-by-play now. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> All right. I'm All right, hold on, hold on here. If you're going to couch this, then you need to say it the right way, uh, Jake. So if you're going to spell it out for David, let me have my say on spelling it out, too. Do you do that for me? Absolutely not. Never. Nor did you do that when you asked Gordy Chies about this the other day. So... Here's, oh, I listen. I listen to this. All right, here's my um, question. I listen because I listen to Gordy Chies on your app, or no, on my do- I download it, listen to it. So here's how I will phrase it: uh, If I were to express the opinion to you that Andre Drummond was going to be a was a big, impactful acquisition for the Lakers, and Saturday's game against the Jazz was evidence of that, you oh, would say, "Come on, come." Oh, that was that your is, opinion. It, it, was it is not. I was speaking specifically of one game. That's what we were arguing about, Jake. I said that Andre Drummond scoring 27 points with the eight rebounds against the Jazz on Saturday night was was meaningful. You said it and was- you said he played like crap and that the eight rebounds were a travesty. Embarrassing was the word I used. He should be embarrassed right. he only had eight I rebounds. I wasn't talking about Andre Drummond as a player and his that he's going to win an NBA title for the that Lakers. That was a previous no, conversation. No, it was. And it was but not, anyway, it David. The more Andre Drummond, the better for the Utah Jets. Amen. Except for, on more. Saturday, except for on Saturday night. Who did we play at center on Saturday, Gordon? I understand that, but he still scored 27 but points. It doesn't 10 matter, Gordon. Well, the, the Lakers won. Gordon, for the sake of an argument, stop yourself. <laughs> I mean, who did we start at center? I understand that, but... It, it, how, did that, that, on, how did he do on the Monday when we I, played I NBA said, centers? David, I pre- predicted that. I said when Rudy Gobert was in the game, it was going to be totally different. We were talking about one game, one moment in time, what happened in that particular game. So if I send Juwan Morgan to the G League and he shoots 72% and averages 16 points and 10 rebounds, is he ready for the NBA playoffs? I see you're, you're making the same mistake Jake did. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about one game. What were 
are you talking about? I don't even know that. <laughs> I don't know how. Let me just explain. say this: if you're taking Andre Drummond's performance on Saturday to mean anything more than his performance on Saturday, I think you've made a mistake. That was exactly what I was doing. I was talking about one game. I was not making some sort of judgment or prediction about. I mean, I, Jake, I, Jake, and I do agree that Andre Drummond might not even spend that much time on the floor once uh, once the stars are back. I understand that. I, I think we need to replay that segment for you, Gordon. But I'll allow right. David's uh, I'll, I'll allow David's opinion to stand because I think it's a okay. Good one. So David David says what he says, and Gordy said what he said, which was he agreed with me. So let's it's, let's call it a draw. I don't think so. You but know that's what? All right. By the way, I don't think that um, Gordy really agreed with you. I just thought that Jake did a really, really jo- bad job presenting <laughs> his case. Well, considering Gordon asked the question and I politely didn't intercede, I guess that uh, I guess that's true, and I'll mind my matters. The way funny. the way the question was phrased. Gordon Chiesa, knowing that he's Gordon Chiesa, had no chance but to answer anything else <laughs> but what he answered. Uh, I agree. So, David, let's talk about tonight's game, shall we? Last time uh, the Jazz— Yeah, I only, I only have about two minutes left. All right. Last time the Jazz played the Rockets, it was ugly. The Jazz still won. But we got a post-game Quinn Snyder that I haven't seen before, well, at least this year, where he really got after his squad. And I think that that was strategic. Do we see, um, uh, I guess— uh, uh, Well, I guess there's not really any correlation other than— Do you agree that that moment kind of stood out? a good question like do you think and what do you ask do you think like it's culturally important that he always has the same standard do you think it is that it sets the set the tone and propel us into something i mean frankly i think we lost our two of our next three didn't we yeah yeah and and there were some struggles i just thought as as consistent as his messaging is i, I that... just think that for whatever reason and I think I'm right on this. Quinn Snyder teams have not come out of the All Star break well, and they don't start seasons very well. They just kind of need a little while to get going. And you know, we've won five of seven again. So, um, you know, and so I, you know, and we're a ball, we're a ball bounce away. It, you know, even if you count it, what since since we struggled, what have we won? Um, Thirteen of our last seventeen. Like, no one's going crazy about the way we're playing. We've won 13 of 17, right? Our two losses are both in overtime. Last two of I our four losses are in overtime. We're 13. We're like, right? Like, I mean, talk about, like, I'm not answering your question. But, like, talk about how spoiled did we become when you go win 20 out of 21? Like, we got, now go win 13 out of 17? We're like, ho-hum. David, I know you're short of time, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the guilty. By the way, the guy who I'm talking to next um, is going to win this battle. So go ahead. I was I was curious to know your reaction to the guilty verdicts yesterday. Um, I was surprised because I understand the constitutional law impact of how incredibly difficult it is to have a police officer guilty of murder because of the previous standards. So it tells you how incredibly egregious the act was to be able to do that. Um, and thank goodness that 
you know, if someone commits an act that egregious that they, regardless of their employment status, that they're that they're found guilty for such an act. Like, we have set up a precedent, and there's a great podcast by More Perfect on it, on how incredibly difficult and what the standard by which a police officer is held to. That's probably something we should consider and whether that's the right decision or not. And then to be guilty as a police officer, you have to be egregious, and he was. David, thank you. Good luck with your next conversation. Yep. Talk to you later. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll switch gears and talk some NFL draft. Coming up next, Matt Williamson will jump on the show with us, our NFL insider. We'll have an odd sports sport, and then Jazz pregame takes over at 5. Stay tuned. More Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Time now to welcome in John Beck, the former BYU quarterback, now a QB coach. I wanted to ask you about the intangibles because it seems like Zach Wilson really wants it. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. I do believe that Zach Wilson has a great mindset, a great work ethic. There are times I almost feel like I'm talking to my younger self. And maybe that's why Zach and I feel like we click so well and connect so well because I can say something in a way that it's as if I'm giving my 20-year-old self advice on this end and it works for Zach and he totally gets it and I think that that's why this has been you know such a good thing and I'm super excited for the future I do believe that Zach Wilson does so many right things I believe the way that he has his makeup set right now is putting him in a good place and then he's gonna have to keep working at it catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, this is your Jazz at 30 update presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. Jazz currently still in first place in the Western Conference with a record of 43-15, and 15, a game and a half in front of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they'll do. Uh, they'll play tonight against Houston in Houston. They'll do it without Donovan Mitchell, who continues to recover from a sprained ankle. He'll be reevaluated at the end of the week. Royce O'Neal talked about winning without Donovan. Let's keep playing basketball. I mean, whether he's playing or not, I think I mean, we have a great team. I mean, guys scoring, passing the ball. I mean, I think our defense is, you know, what carries over to our offense. No Donovan tonight, no Irsan Ilyasova, but everybody else seems to be healthy. We'll keep you updated on that uh, throughout the day here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Game time tonight, just after 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. This update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O' Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O' Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you, join Hanson, Scotty, and The Big Show on Friday from 10 to 6 at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. Let's talk a little NFL uh, draft. Let's get out to The Zone phone. Joining us now, our friend, he's a former NFL scout and host of Peacock and Williamson Podcasts. He's our friend, Matt Williamson. What's going on, Matt? Not much. How you doing? Hey, we're great. Uh, I, I assume that uh, you're an NFL guy. You treat uh, the draft like uh, like a uh, it should be a national holiday, like all the other NFL guys, right? Oh yeah, it's the best day of the year. I mean, the best three days of the year. I mean, I always say, you know, those those three draft days, along with the beginning of free agency, is is really the only times of the year that NFL teams can't lie to you. They tell you exactly what they think of your team. You just have to figure it out. I mean, all the clues are there, and if you can decipher them, you know exactly what these these people think of their teams. So, Matt, uh, is Zach Wilson going number two to the Jets? Yo, I think so. I think that's a done deal, yes. Mm-hmm. There's no deception involved. What do you make of that pick, say, over Justin Fields? Fields is my number two behind Lawrence, but I certainly understand it. I mean, I think Wilson's an extremely good prospect. There's a lot to like. He's a great playmaker. I mean, he's got tons and tons of talent. I think he, you know, he's a good guy to rebuild this whole offense around. Should Zach himself want to go to the Jets? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, history shows no, but I think the coach and GM in place gives you optimism. I mean, they're both new, but I think that there's a chance that there's a new culture there. I like what they did in free agency. Last year's draft, I thought, was pretty strong. So I think they're building in the right direction, but, you know, not an easy division. Belichick's still there, and the Bills look like a powerhouse, and all kinds of pressure in that city, of course. It's not going to be easy. Matt, considering there's, what, four or five quarterbacks that are considered uh, or held in high regard, is that a measure of the talent of the players, or is that a measure of how important that position is? Uh, both, but I will say this is just a rare year. I mean, first of all, you have a rare first guy in Lawrence that would go first any year he came out. I mean, that, that is a, a once-in-a-decade type of prospect. And, you know, we have seen a couple of years, the Baker Mayfield class, where you see four or five first-round guys. But I don't think they're being manufactured or pushed up the board any more than any other quarterback class. I mean, of course they're going to go high. And if people think you're a starting quarterback, like look at Daniel Jones from New York with the Giants. Like, I didn't see a lot of starter traits, but because one team thought that he's a starter, he goes, what, sixth or seventh overall? So that's just the, the nature of the beast. And the beauty of it, too, that people don't talk about enough is if you draft one of those five guys, and even if they're league average, that gives you so much more cap money to spend elsewhere. I mean, just having a quarterback on his rookie contract and not having to pay $30, $40 million a year gives you so many more advantages to team building. Who do you think is the best player in this draft who doesn't play quarterback? I think it's Kyle Pitts by a wide margin. I think he's – I don't know if I've ever seen anyone like him. I mean, that year that I spent with the Browns, it was Kellen Winslow Jr.'s rookie year, and seeing him back then – was utterly amazing, but I haven't seen a tight end prospect since or a weapon like him in a long time. I mean, he beats up on some of the best corners in the league. They can't keep up with him, let alone his size and physicality and how he runs away from safeties and linebackers. 
I think he's a very special player. We heard a soundbite, I believe it was yesterday, from Matt Sanchez giving advice to Zach Wilson going to the Jets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he talked a lot about the pressures of playing in New York. Do you think that's overcooked a bit, or do you think that there's real, that's really something that a player coming out of a school has to get used to in a hurry? I mean, I don't have firsthand experience, obviously, but the media there is very rough and fighting for headlines, and if that's at the cost of tearing apart a young player. And, and, and as much as that is, I think it's just a hard city to get used to. If you or me or whomever – had to uproot and move to New York City or close to it or, you know, and get used to that style of living, it's not easy. Matt, I know you cover the Steelers closely, so I want to ask you this question. They they just re-signed uh, Mike Tomlin to an, an extension. And, you know, we cover the Jazz closely here, a different sport in the NBA, obviously, but the Jazz have a reputation for being really loyal to coaches. They've had four yeah. head coaches in the last 40 years, and, of course, the Steelers are, are have that very same reputation. So through that lens, what do you think that does for a franchise, and is that kind of why they're, they're sticking with Tomlin? They're, they're loyal to their guys. Very much so, and it's been highly successful. I mean, I'm 47 years old, and I've seen three head coaches in my hometown. You know, I mean, and two of them are in the Hall of Fame, or Bill Cowher's about to go in. He would have went in if it wasn't for COVID. I mean, during the Tomlin era, if you look at the numbers and whatnot, only the Patriots are a more successful organization. I mean, they're probably the second most successful organization since the day Tomlin was hired until now. He's never had a losing record. I mean, in that stretch of games, that's pretty remarkable. I think it was a very easy decision to extend him. Matt, you mentioned Kyle Pitts being such a prospect at tight end, but other than other than the tight end position, all those wide receivers in this uh, class, which of them do you think is the best? I like Jamar Chase. Um, I have respect for the Bama guys. Don't get me wrong. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss is one of my favorites. I like Bateman a lot. But I think Chase from LSU easily stands alone as the top receiver in this draft. A lot more physical than the Bama guys. I mean, he dominated the toughest conference in the league as a 19-year-old and was the better player than Justin Jefferson on his own team. And Jefferson goes to the NFL the next year and sets all kinds of rookie records. A guy from Utah who went to school in Oregon is uh, Penny Sewell. I want to ask you about mm-hmm. him. What do you think the ceiling is for that dude? I think he could be the best offensive lineman in the league within a year or two. Uh-huh. Um, another guy that's kind of like I mentioned with, with uh, Chase, when you watch his tape, it's hard to remember that he's only 19 years old, just pushing grown men around. He moves in a very uncommon manner for somebody that big and physical and powerful. Has a little bit of tech, technique work to do. I mean, he's not a, a perfect prospect, obviously. But, I mean, any O-line coach would look at him and just salivate to work with him. He's going to be a very high pick. Matt, uh, back in, in the days when you were scouting talent the way you were, what would you make of a quarterback coming out of a very small school with a real limited amount of time playing the way Trey Lance has done, uh, does that frighten you at all? Or do you think, now look, this guy's a strapping athlete who's going to be successful? Yeah, it certainly frightens me. I mean, it's certainly one of the questionable things about him. And, you know, you look at Trubisky and Haskins and guys like that, 
they didn't have a lot of starts at the college level either. I mean, and they were at bigger schools. The thing, and this is secondhand information, but the thing that I'm getting about Lance, though, is he is very advanced in terms of calling protections, you know, audible into the right play. I think there's a, you know, people look at him and say, boy, he played at a small school, he has to sit. Well, more was asked of him mentally, certainly than the Ohio State guys, even Lawrence, you know, maybe everybody but Mac Jones. So I'm not sure sitting him yet another year does him any good. He needs to play. Matt, last thing for me, and I apologize if we've uh, asked you or if I've asked you this uh, when we've had you on in the past, but how do you think Urban Meyer is going to do as an NFL coach? That's a tough one. <laughs> it really is because my season with the Browns was under Butch Davis, and one of the problems that that staff ran into was they didn't operate from the same deck as the rest of the league in terms of bringing talent in. They boy, I knew this guy when I recruited him from Florida or I played against him in the Big East. So they would draft to them and give those guys too much of benefit of the doubt. I hope Urban Meyer doesn't fall into that, but I do think he's going to be a really good recruiter, which is important in the NFL. Hey, come play with Trevor Lawrence. Come play in Jacksonville where there's no state tax, you know, things like that. We're going to dominate this division in the next couple of years. And by all accounts, he is a great culture guy you know this is the way we do things and that's super important i mean we'll see i mean i I usually have some doubts with college to nfl guys though i mean it's just a different world and last thing from me uh, matt uh, we saw san francisco make its move up to the number three pick is there a team out there that you think is has such a, a disposition or a need uh, to move up in a surprise way in this particular draft to position for a player that we might not know who it is. but I mean, I think the four spot with Atlanta is the most interesting, you know, where, where the draft gets really interesting. There's going to be three quarterbacks off the board, and Atlanta has to think, hey, should we take Pitts, who we talked about? Should we take Lance or Fields? Because rarely do we get an opportunity. Or is a team like Denver going to offer them a ton to move up? Um, another one that could move up is Washington. I mean, all of a sudden, Washington doesn't have five huge holes on draft day. They really need their quarterback. Could they mortgage their future to move up? I mean, I, I think, it, you know, I mentioned Atlanta. I think that, Detroit could certainly move down. I think they're at seven. You know, they need everything. Moving down would make a lot of sense. I mean, on the spending spree that New England went on and the free agency – might enable them to put a lot of draft picks together to go get a quarterback. Matt, thank you very much, as always, for jumping on with us. Enjoy the draft. Yeah, I will. It was fun. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's our friend Matt Williamson, um, former NFL scout, as he talked about, and, of course, uh, co-host of the Peacock and Williamson podcasts. Make sure and follow his work. We'll have uh, the Not Sports Board next. Jazz uh, pregame at 5, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Another great game today, closing out the week. Final Jeopardy category is American literature. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the... Anyone? Anyone? The Great Depression. Hello, Wildcats. This is Weber Cooks. 
and today we're doing uh, chili cheese nachos. Jennifer, we start with you. Uh, tough game today, but let's see how you did in Final Jeopardy. You put down, what is Animal Farm? No, sorry, that's incorrect. Passed the, anyone, anyone? A tariff bill, the Holly Smoot Tariff Act. Over to our champion, Pasquale. See what you wrote down. You said, what is of mice and men? Yes, of course, John Steinbeck's novel about Lenny and George who talk about having their own rabbit farm one day. And we set the microwave for four and a half minutes. And when that's done, we'll put them in a bowl. Which anyone raised or lowered, raised tariffs. Over to our two-day champion on the end, Scott. Did you come up with the correct response? Incredible work there by Austin Horton. Yeah, I almost fell asleep too, buddy. Rough. <laughs> Dry. Dry is how I would describe all of that. So you're comparing essentially uh, Aaron Rodgers to Ben Stein and the Weber. What the what Weber, the Weber Cooks, Cooks guy. You guy? heard the comparison there. The, all three of them are the same people. I'm, I'm not comparing. I just put them together and let the evidence speak for itself. Yeah, I think it speaks <laughs> loud and clear. Boy, yeah, but you know how some it things, up a little bit. Good. You know how some things there are some things that are more interesting spoken by a certain individual, and that's Aaron Rodgers makes it more interesting. That was that was it not interesting. Not. No, it wasn't, and it was, was so ridiculous. underdelivered and dry. That John just, Steinbeck's novel about a rabbit farm. There are eighty-year-old <laughs> English lit teachers somewhere going, "Hey, Aaron, jazz it up a little, dude. That's a little dry." <laughs> I liked him. I thought he did a good job. Anyway. All right. It's time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out at lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Jake, uh, we're going to North Carolina, but I have a question for you first. When you think of a home, home ownership and the dangers in your home, what would you list as a couple of dangerous things that you got to watch out for? Well, there's the landmines that I planted in my front yard. <laughs> Get off my lawn. For, for the school kids crossing. For the school yeah. kids, yeah, that uh, that walk down my street and <laughs> just to keep them away. Oh, and the people walking their dogs and just, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, crap anywhere, please. Yeah, those the, the landmines. That's my answer. Landmines. Austin, do you have an answer? Uh, no, not really. All right. Well, I got one more to add to the list. According to this story, your your bathroom in your bathroom, your shower glass door. A couple in North Carolina, Lincoln County, were sitting in their home on Saturday night and they heard a huge boom. And uh, one of the uh, I think the husband went into the bathroom and there was literally glass all over the floor, straight into the bedroom. And what was the reason that the glass exploded? There was no answer to that. The woman, her name is Kathy Lofton, said, thank goodness we didn't have anybody in the bathroom when it happened. When I researched it, I said, hey, we're not an anomaly. 
This has happened before, and people don't know it. Jake, exploding glass doors in the shower there is is a bit of an issue. According to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, an average of 500 people a year go to the hospital emergency rooms due to their shower glass shattering. For no reason. And for no reason. And between two, well, there's a reason, but they didn't do anything. Between 2012 and 2016, apparently this is the last year that the statistics were available, 2,300 people went to the ER. Frank, what do you say? You uh, you let her rip in the shower? <laughs> there was another woman, a yoga instructor, who was in a hotel in California, and her shower door exploded, and it uh, it caused her 30 stitches. <laughs> so, I mean... So something to think about. Be careful when you're getting in and out of your shower. I take Apparently, it back, Gordon. You should have done the other story. No, I couldn't do that one. <laughs> Spontaneously no. combusting shower glass. Well, and, and it, that injures, injures hundreds of people a year somehow. Yeah. And the other story was a science project about a, a kid who is studying to see uh, what your cat's butt touches and what residue is left behind. So Let me ask you this. Would you rather find out that your cat's uh-huh, touches your toothbrush every day or <laughs> get 30 stitches from your shower door shattering on you? <laughs> well, and the worst part about that science project by the sixth grader was that lipstick was involved in the project. <laughs> well, you should explain because... No, no, no. <laughs> Where the lipstick was placed to see what part of the cat touches yes. the Which is yes. why you need to explain it as opposed to, you know, gussing up your cat for a night on the town or something. <laughs> the lipstick was involved. <laughs> Come on, pause. Let's go out on the town yeah, here. You need to explain why the lipstick was involved. <laughs> Meow. I thought it was pretty evident. Um, anyway, be careful with your shower doors, folks. Um uh, Apparently, there has been a move to make them more safe. They say the, uh, the, the reasons, the most common reasons, are wear and tear and the door jumping off the track and a faulty installation. But if you're, you know, I, it's, okay, this is weird. But when I was, when I, was a, I forget what grade I was in, but I, I got a new pair of glasses and I was sitting there reading or something and one of the lenses shattered and it sent uh, sort of glass particles or at least dust into my eye i thought that really could have been bad i was okay but the glass just shattered wait dust no and glass particles those aren't close so well, i don't know I, it didn't it didn't make my eye bleed but it hurt so i don't know what that would have been but uh I think somebody is, shot you with a bb gordon you just didn't notice know. No, no. I was just minding my own business, and there it went. And I think it was the way I think it was, it was revenge for the safety patrol. Am I, am I the only one that knows that glass just doesn't break for no reason? <laughs> Did you not just hear the Not Sports Report? Yeah, that doesn't happen. So the couple is in the house by themselves, and no one's in the bathroom, and all of a sudden it explodes? Hey, I don't know. Maybe the, the gal's boyfriend was trying to get out of town. Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe the husband came home when he was supposed to be you know, on a business trip in San Diego, and the, the boyfriend had to get out of there. I don't know. I, the I've glass had, just doesn't break. I've had doors and Apparently windows open, and does. you get that cross draft going. Maybe it, But uh, that would be like the wind, yeah. not just it just broke.
Why no would reason. my why would my lens shatter then? A BB. I was in my house. You said you were at school. No, I was. I said I was reading. I thought you said at school. Well, anyway, that is, it is. Weird. I was nowhere. I was nowhere where a BB would have been involved. So anyway, take my <laughs> uh, public service announcement. <laughs> Be careful out there or in there, and watch out for where your cat sits. All right, Jazz Game Night pregame show and starts next. Gordon, I said, I said, sits. I'll uh, All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon, buddy. All right, see you. The big show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone.